Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring. You'll get insight into various cultures and countries around the world. They'll share fantastic stories of their journey, and through mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring and considering going on a tour, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already a bike tourer, I hope my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Okay, good morning afternoon, evening, depending where you are. Welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Before we get rolling on into this week's episode, or this, yeah, this next episode, I should say, uh, episode 54, pretty fun. Happy getting up there in the numbers. It's, uh, it's definitely a long process. What are we, almost two and a half years into this project? Project, I call it. Life. And yeah, things are going well. I recently transitioned more into gravel biking, especially this summer. Uh, last year I did a long bike tour and this year I wanted to spend more time around home. So if I take off for a couple days, okay, but not for, for so many days. Um, my wife is pregnant, but we do have a friend living with us. So like one of her good friends. So that's uh, definitely good for her. If I head off biking that there's somebody around, but on that note, yeah, I'm trying not to get out for for extended periods of time cycling, uh, touring, I should say. I have a friend crossing Canada that I was um, considering cycling with to Newfoundland. And after I con- thought about it more closely, I was like, that's just kind of selfish and not really a good idea. So I should stick around. So that's what I'm doing. Riding some gravel, checking out kind of all all the different things that Ontario and Quebec can throw at me, including some of the stuff I'm developing myself. So super fun, interesting week, uh, interesting summer, I should say. Uh, recently, I cycled the Log Drivers Waltz and I just had them on the podcast in, oh, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, I think, episode 52, I believe, Eric Betteridge and Jen Adams. And they created this 800 kilometer route that goes through the Ottawa Valley and Oudouay region, which is like just north on the Quebec side. And it was really fun, interesting. Um, I haven't written or done the ride cast for it yet. That'll come up soon. But just long story short, I was aiming for an FKT, uh, fastest known time, and I did get it. I achieved that in about 59 hours, 16 minutes. So not about exactly 13 seconds or something. I don't remember the seconds actually. And previously it was like 84 hours. So 
yeah, I took a big, big chunk out of that time and pushed my body pretty hard. I was pretty tired after, um, you know, lots of hallucinations. Uh, I had to cut, get my wife to come pick me up. It was kind of dangerous. I tried driving and I was like, nope, this is a bad idea. So yeah, still alive. So I made the right choice. Other than that, I went camping recently uh, for a few days with my wife and some friends and it was really cold at night and every well, everybody but me was really cold at night and complained about the cold and suffering. And I think my buddy even slept in his car one night. I was okay. I stripped down just like whatever, like normal, slept under a big sleeping bag. And, you know, when you go car camping, it's a lot different than bike touring. You can actually take all kinds of stuff. And we kind of forgot about that. We could have brought more blankets and stuff. And in our mind, my mind, I was like, oh, no, no, we, we got a sleeping bag. We're good. Not quite. Anyways, it's over. We're back. We're all alive. Dog had fun. So yeah. What else? What else is new? Well, Patreons, show supporters, all these people. We have a new Patreon. His name is John Hickman. Thank you so much, John. It really, really goes a long way. Helps the show stay viable. For everybody out there listening, I'm not making a ton of money on this. It just basically covers costs. And when I got to pay stuff, it goes on a credit card, which then gets paid off from you know, income. And when money comes in on Patreon, I, I just kind of keep track of it on a spreadsheet of what kind of negative my year is like at the end. So I could say to my wife, look, we didn't spend too much money on the podcast. So yeah, the Patreons really helped kind of keep that down and keep my wife happy and keep me from uh, spending more and more and more and more all the time. So good stuff. Thank you guys. I really do appreciate it. If you want to support the show through Patreon, you can go to patreon.com front slash bike tour adventures and, you know, choose a tier and make a little monthly contribution. If not, you can go to PayPal. Uh, there's a bike tour adventures PayPal. I will put a link and you can just send a one off donation. And uh, that really, really helps. Okay, guys, I can't can't stress it enough. So much appreciated. If you can't financially afford Patreon, I get it. Totally get it. Um you can support the show in other ways. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever app you use, and you could write a review. Give me a five-star review. It would be lovely. Four-star. Okay, we'll still be friends. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess the more the more five-star reviews you get, the more it puts you up in the rankings if you don't know all about this stuff. And that gives you more exposure so more people hear the podcast. So yeah, I would love to have like 100 five-star reviews, I think, right now. There's probably like five or 10 because, you know, it, it takes time. Taking takes time to go and write five-star reviews and I don't even do it often. I know I should do more, especially for podcasts I listen to regularly because, you know, it is such an important thing. So I'm going to make a mental note to do it if you could too and go write a five-star review for Bike to Adventures podcast. I would really appreciate it. That'd be sick and awesome and fantastic and all those things. Last thing, sponsors. I would like to thank the sponsors of the Bike to Adventures podcast, Opus Bikes. They've been with us since fairly early on when the podcast only had a few thousand downloads, I should say. And I reached out to them and said, you know, I'd love to, to work with you guys. I'm trying to transition from road to gravel and uh, I run this podcast and I want to, you know, do all these things. And they said, that's really cool. And uh, we, we like to support more local projects or you know, it's a Canadian company, so, and from not too far away, Montreal. So yeah, they gave me a, a, a discounted price on everything I needed. They they actually are under the umbrella company, OGC, Outdoor Gear Canada, and 
I was able to get some discounts on some other products too, which really helped and has continued to help. And yeah, they, they're, they're a cool company and doing amazing things. So thank you, Opus. Redshift Sports is the second company that has sponsored me. So really cool of them as well. I had their shock stop stem on my first gravel bike from Opus and I added the C post, a dual position C post for, for getting on aero bars and stuff and loved the kit. I mean, I can't stress enough. I used it for a year. Absolutely love their stuff. The only problem I ever had with the C post was I didn't oil the pivots and after about a year, it got really stiff. But once I oiled it, it's right back into its beautiful, beautiful shifting self. And yeah, it really allows you to change where the pressure is sitting on your seat bones and stuff when you're going in arrow and not overextend yourself. And this is one of the coolest things. If you if you do triathlon and don't have a time trial bike, but use your road bike, you can just put on their arrow bars, put on their seat post and off you go. So yeah, I reached out to them after about a year of using their stuff and asked them if they'd like to do a collaboration. And they said, we'd like to do more. We'd like to sponsor the podcast. And if there are things you need, we'll see what we can do to send them to you. And um, let's work together. So they were super happy I'm using their gear and had been for a while. And uh, I, I can't say more great things about them. Actually, the one thing I can announce is they have given a promo code BTA15. So that's Bike to Adventures 15, BTA15. So when you go to their website, and I do believe they do worldwide shipping, you go to their website, you save 15% on your orders. So yeah, amazing. And uh, finally, the last company, 7Mesh Cycling Apparel out of Squamish, BC, making really cool stuff. Um, I have their cargo bib shorts and there are pockets on the thighs. There are pockets in the back where under your jersey is where I always keep my wallet. Keys if I'm out for a ride because it keeps them really secure close to my body. Maybe some extra gels or food or granola bars or whatever. Excellent, excellent bib shorts. And... I have a, a jersey from them. Well, it's like a, a shirt. It's a three-quarter length sleeve shirt. And I use it for mountain biking and it's really comfy. And then I use it when I'm traveling too because it's that comfortable. So got to say, I love their stuff. My buddy Carl has their one of their jerseys and the pockets are like extraneous to this jersey. So the inside of the pocket is not the back of your jersey. And that means if you stuff them really full... And they, they kind of float. They don't actually like bunch your jersey up your back. So they stay, it stays really comfortable the whole time. And you can cram a ton of stuff in there. Those pockets are super stretchy. And I've seen him go out. He looks like a chipmunk. Well, except that those aren't cheeks, right? And really, really cool shirt. I am considering adding one to my arsenal of jerseys, but it's hard when you already have like 10 jerseys downstairs and you're like, oh, should I buy one more? You know, even discounted, it adds up, but we'll see. Maybe a gift, wife? Are you hearing me? Anyways. So, on to this week's episode. I th- hope you guys enjoy it. This is a really, really cool book. Uh, it came in the mail. I've been flipping through it, kind of reading a story a day, and I love it so far. So, tune in and enjoy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. In this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures, I'm back with Bellin and Tristan as they introduce their newest book to us. Bellin and Tristan were previously on the show in episode 43, just shy of six months ago. Normally, I'd be hesitant to have a return guest in such a short period of time, but on this occasion, I made an exception as I already know them well. They're about to go embark on another adventure, and because of their high-quality recording equipment, it's super easy to edit their show. 
If you'd like to get to know more about Bellin and Tristan, I recommend you pause this episode, scroll back to episode 43, and have a listen to that podcast where we do a really deep dive into their past cycling adventures and their first book, Bike Life. Bellin, Tristan, welcome to the Bike to Adventures podcast. Hi. Hey. Good oh. to be back. It's yeah. been only six months. It's only been six months. Can <laughs> you believe that? It's felt, it's felt so long. <laughs> yeah, it's a surprise. I was like, I thought maybe it's a year and I scrolled back and I'm like, oh. That was December? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jeez, time has flown by. What have we been yeah. up to? <laughs> well, uh, we're here to tell you about it. <laughs> Obviously, let's not go into the same amount of uh, details we did previously, but I thought we could introduce yourselves and maybe just to switch it up, Bellin, why don't you introduce Tristan to us? And Tristan, you can introduse Bellin. Oh, Ooh, nice. Wow. I like that. Well, Tristan is a, uh, is, yeah. He's uh, quite something. <laughs> no, well, um, just to keep it short, um, if you really want to know about our story, then like Chris says, go to episode 43, where we're really just going to our story. But uh, as a little short summary, Tristan and I have been cycling since 2017 together. And uh, yeah, we've been all around Europe, US, Central Asia cycling. We made our first book, Bike Life, which is um, a little story on, on our adventures where we give a lot of tips on traveling by bike. And uh, we're here to take to, to to talk about our new book, which we actually did because of of COVID, right? Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to just hold back a little bit, uh, uh, Belen, she came from architecture before going into cycling. And I was sort of the introduction, I guess, to the traveling by bike on, on our end, because I started that out in 2014 with a trip across the US from New York to LA, then a something short of 14 months tour through Europe from my hometown in Netherlands all the way to Norway. Um, and yeah, it, in 2017, we started cycling together. Like Belen said, we've made our first book and um, the experience on that end, working with our publisher and uh, getting to create a book together with them has taught us a lot and was really practical when the pandemic hit because this next project that we're about to tell you. <laughs> um, so I know it's, and it's also weird, like when I was putting this together and I thought, wow, most of the time, I think not just myself, but most podcasters, we kind of try to skirt around talking about COVID because we all feel like we always felt every episode, you're like, it's almost over and it's going to be something that everybody wants to forget. So let's not talk about COVID. Um but obviously, we're we're like almost a year and a half later, and it's still a thing in the world. And um, yeah. I think it's been like 15 months now, right? And yeah, um, it's affected the lives of everybody, including all the bike tours out there. And yeah. I think for you guys, it, it was it's a it was a really transformative stage for you, um, not just as bike tours, but with regards to how you made use of that time when the pandemic yeah. came. Yeah, also, uh, not just ourselves, I think for for pretty much every traveling cyclist, hit, having this forced pause button has created a lot of good things. We've seen other people come out with books. All of a sudden, everyone had time to obviously process all the photos and videos yeah. and maybe things they'd written down during their journeys, which usually it tends to just stack up and up and up and become too mm -hmm. too big of a task, too daunting of a task to start with. But all this time and br like breathing space has really, in my opinion, given a lot of cyclists the chance to work on their creative flow off the bike. 
and it's done a lot of good for the cycling community mm -hmm. i i feel so that that is the first thing and yeah for for ourselves we um we were i think only about a week or two weeks into the first big lockdown here in netherlands we had um planned to do well, a year full of trips basically and we're kind of bummed that it wasn't going to happen at least then um we thought it would be over initially uh, very soon did, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think because we all looked at we all looked at china that. and said oh yeah this this kind of went away quick yeah 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 but so well it turned out to be long and and for us it was uh it was practical in a sense because when when that first lockdown hit here um we realized very quickly after that for a lot of other cyclists it was the same situation everyone had to either return home or stay in a place for a prolonged amount of time and it opened up a very rare window in uh, of opportunity uh for this project that we've been planning initially just loosely planning for over the course of a couple of years we had a list compiled of a lot of touring cyclists who were sharing their adventures on social media in high quality uh, photography and stories and in in like a few years or we didn't really know the time frame of it but eventually we wanted to use that list to compile um sort of row of chapters for a book that would encompass a lot of these cyclist stories mm -hmm. and their photos inside and when the pandemic hit that moment just all of a sudden revealed itself to us and so we had to very quickly decide are we going to do this or not because mm -hmm. it's going to take Time. as we know yeah. books take long so it's going to take a year are we ready to face that amount of time? And, so um, can I ask yeah. you, can we, can we jump back one second to, um, I think bike life, you guys started that also kind of during the original official stages or the, maybe at the start, start, start of the pandemic, or was it before that even? Well, we actually did bike life in 2019. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is that it was going to be launched on March 2020 yeah. when we were <laughs> ready to depart again, but it never got launched because the printers got closed, the distribution got just it. got paused. So that's why Bike Life got delayed in, in publication. Oh, but, okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we were we had finished Bike Life. We were ready to start writing again, uh, which was the 20th of March 2020. And then just we never left. So we just started um, this second project. Okay, yeah. perfect. That all kind of brings it together. So... <laughs> Tell us more about 50 ways to travel the world then. Um, how did this idea come? Like, what was the uh, so, catalyst? Well, we, we've, like Tristan said, we've had this idea in the back of our heads for a, for a while. But the, the main reason that we wanted to make this book, uh, well, I would say two reasons. One is because we, do, we did feel that there was a gap out there uh, in terms of books uh, being so general and so... Yeah, inclusive. Um, inclusive, on, on more like a, community. yeah. Bike Life, in the end, is uh, a book that talks a lot about a story and a lot of details. And it's more for people that are really already have decided that they want to go travel and they want to know the tips and maybe the countries, the routes. But um, our new book, which, well, it's 50 Ways to Cycle the World, it's more as an inspiration. So... It covers a lot of people and a lot of stories that are very different to ours because mm -hmm. we understood that with bike life, in the end, we have our own situation. We were a couple. We were uh, European. Yeah, we dedicated our life to this. Exactly. And that's a very different approach than what a lot of people would do. 
in different situations without, for example, uh, sufficient money or sufficient mm -hmm. time. Uh, you know, really the basic chapters, but also responsibilities like having a pet that you need to take care of or kids mm -hmm. or, um, you know, a grandmother, some other thing that keeps you in your place and maybe doesn't give you the time or chance to get out on a bike trip. And we wanted to cover this large extent of all those personal situations towards extremes of, uh, for example, age or the type of bike you can choose or companionship or you know, some mm -hmm. special project that goes a bit further than the, the usual motivations to start cycling. And I, I like to call this book an excuse extinguisher because, <laughs> you know, a lot of us say things that are kind of like an excuse to not do something, whether it's traveling by bike or starting a creative project or something else. A lot of it is actually an excuse because in most cases it is possible just with a bit more struggle or a bit more bit more um, uh, yeah different uh, changing things in your life and this book is aimed at changing people's mind when they come up with that initial excuse of oh I can't do it because I have to take care of this or I don't have enough time or I'm at work and they will never give me a month off something like that I'm too old I'm too young so I think that I think that's going to be the name of this podcast episode 50 ways to cycle the world the excuse extinguisher yeah <laughs> let's do it <laughs> yeah so I mean we can go on in length about it but that's basically the the goal of the book to get someone over the doorstep outside onto their bike whether it be for a weekend or for eight years around the world yeah just to tell them you can do this. So let me ask you, I, I know the bike life was made as a, um, what is it? Would you call it a coffee table book? Something yeah. that's easy to pick up, look through, lots of imagery, lots of information that's deep in there, but at the same time, something very easy to look at. Was 50 Ways to Cycle the World designed to be in a similar kind of perspective? Yeah, we we really like this format because um, as photographers, we give a lot of value to photography. So um, for us, uh, words complement the images and images complement words. So since the beginning, we knew we, want, we wanted it to be a, another coffee table book, which meant that it was uh, it made the selection of participants a little bit more difficult since not everyone um, has been taking big documentary their, their trips. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we did or documented have... it on a camera that shoots high enough quality images yeah, yeah. but uh, it did mean that we have had to leave some stories behind but we were actually impressed at the amount of people that are already out there taking pictures and documenting their their adventures yeah mm -hmm. and um how was i mean i want to jump back to to your first book and the one more question here because i think it's really interesting i mean as you mentioned there's a lot of books out there and they're very um they're, they're very aimed directly at bike tours and people who have that interest, you know, novels and stuff and lots of like books. And you guys made a coffee table book, so it's accessible to everybody. And, and it's something that even somebody who's not super interested in bike touring might find it at a friend's house and just flip through it while they're having coffee. Right. Um, how mm -hmm. did you find that? Um, how did it do? Like, how has it done so far in terms of not sales numbers? We don't want to know the deep, deep details, but like, has it done really well in terms of what you were expecting? Well, the, the book is only six months old. And it's, yeah, it's not life. old. <laughs> and, and, and it's been published in COVID time, which yeah. has been a very strange time for publishers. We we don't know numbers, but our publisher says that they're happy 
uh, how it's doing. Yeah. yeah, considering the situation. And uh, the good news is that it's also been translated to Spanish and Italian. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So yeah. now, yeah, it's a uh, bike life en bici por el mundo. <laughs> and the Italian, I, I just won't take the risk saying out loud. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it means that it's been slowly picking up interest in other That's languages. Cool. And the, the value of translation has, has appeared. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to take a while to know how many people have actually read it. And, yeah. And once you get once you get some French, Chinese, and Arabic, you guys are set. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Already, you know, having the Spanish translation, we're hoping that Fifty Ways will will be granted the same opportunity to be mm. translated to Spanish. From my feeling, the Spanish market for cycling is booming. Well, and it's um, South America is huge, right? So there's a lot of people too. Yeah. So it's just huge populations of people who are active yeah. and outdoorsy and. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 really interesting for me to to glance at that um the the Spanish publisher that has uh taken on the translation has given us lots of good news and tasks and like lots of things that are going on in the media and it's really that part has really surprised me beyond expectations the the way that it's picking up there that that's really cool. So I hope that 50 ways will have the same uh, the same translations um we are probably looking at German or French or Spanish um, and maybe the other language you mentioned. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. That would be so cool. Tell me, how did you guys decide who to reach out to? How did you compile your list? It was a tough job. Like we said, we had a very long list of just random cyclists that uh, we had seen over the course of, of years. And we just decided to to write them their names down and then slowly started organizing into categories like uh, solo female, solo male, uh, travels on a bikepacking setup or cycle touring. So... As we uh, organized this list of names, we also started defining what the different 50 ways were going to be. Because, um, yeah, every single person, when you when you see them next to each other, they look pretty much like just a cyclist on a bike. But mm -hmm. once you start going into their stories, you start identifying what makes them special and different. So eventually we had those 50 ways. And then it was just a matter of linking the specific name to the specific way. And that was the, the tough part. Yeah. Um, we we actually we were just thinking about it recently. From all the fifty, well, in the end, seventy-five cyclists, fifty projects that made it to the book, we only knew one person in person. Oh, really? So all of the others, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the others um, were so, some of them. We did have a, a basic uh, yeah, we had contact, contact on, with on Instagram, on social, social media, media yeah. and others. We just we just found online or heard about my podcast. Online. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I was actually, wondering, yeah, were there actually that, any that came through via podcast? Like, it's interesting uh, for me to see if Sam, there's that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Sam Rice. Sam Rice. Yeah. Oh, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's yeah. funny because I actually did an interview with Becky, so um, it's never been published yet. Uh, oh. We did a pre-interview before she ever left Australia and went touring with Sam. So Ooh. Becky and Sam, oh. if you guys are listening to this, we need to finish that interview, Becky. And um, oh. the goal was to record a short, I think it was 30 minutes, 40 minutes long, and then do another one at some point in the future. And it, the future has just never happened to hit yet. Oh, we, And then we to, to combine the two. Yeah. So I think that'd be really cool. So I, I have been meaning to get in touch again. It's just um, one of those things, you know. The like, funny thing is that that through 50 Ways, we've become friends with a lot of people that have made it to the book, um, like Sam and Becky. And we're actually uh, planning in, in some 
uh, way to link up with them if they make it. Oh, that'd be amazing. If the summer goes like it go like uh, we hope it to go, you know, um, to link up at some point in the Balkan countries or maybe Greece. They really wanted to come join us. So it has gone to an extent where we've created friendships and we're actually linking up with uh, people writing in the book. That's really uh, so, neat. Yeah. For example, Anna, remote Anna from the north of Spain, she's in the book and we um, we linked up with her to get her into the book, then mm. had the interview and everything, got everything started. And then summer of 2020, we went to north of Spain to cycle there. And she was there, so we decided to link up, and it was a lot of fun. Okay. So that that is also something that this book has brought us. And I think for a lot of the people reading the book, if you're already sort of enveloped in the cycling community, at least on social media, um, it might be a really cool opportunity just say, hey, you know, I read your story in 50 Ways. I see that you're from my country. Do you want to do a ride together? I would love to learn more about you and your story and your writing style, mm-hmm. et cetera. So it it is also a window of opportunity for pe- people reading the book to to see who relates to them and who's close to them and mm-hmm. maybe link up and do a ride together. <laughs> it's something we <laughs> we we took in mind when also polishing the list. We wanted to get as many people from different nationalities as possible. In the end, we I think it was twenty three. You stole my question. You stole the answer to my oh, question. <laughs> so I read that, your mind. You did. I was <laughs> about I'm, I'm going <laughs> to criticize myself on one point. I always say it, and I'm going to say it again because it's an important thing. And you're going to steal another say. question, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's see. Let's see. It's for, for me, the book has come out, and this is the only thing that aches me a little bit. As a predominantly white book, uh, we don't have a lot of people in there with a darker skin. I, I was going to ask is, um, do you feel that you could have had more people from, you know, yeah. like things like yeah. India, Africa, um, yeah. you know, non... I, I think with a little bit more time and research, we would have found a few people that would have worked out. The, the, um, there, there's a lot of, well, there's not a lot, but there's quite a few people actually traveling my bike. Mm-hmm. But the good photography um, That's the challenge, right? cut was the problem. Yeah. yeah. There were there were a few people out there uh, that had a really powerful story, but the photography just didn't reach the standard that we need for a coffee table book. Yeah. In some cases, we we had stories that we said, okay, this is like the only the only version of this kind of cycling that we can find, and the photos have been taken on a phone. So give us your best photos with like the most ideal light circumstances. And we'll we'll see the quality and we'll probably be able to put you in. But yeah, the skin color thing, that that is a, a, a thing that aches me. And I hope that at some point there will be a second version of this book that we get to make. Yeah, to introduce, uh, to introduce even more skin colors. Because, you know, I've been reflecting on this. And in a way, it's kind of logical that cycling is traveling by bike is a, is a privileged thing, if you think about it. it is. It's something that takes a lot of effort, money, time. You need to be in a position. And I mean, it doesn't always take those things, but you need to be generally in a position to have the time to go on a journey. And in a lot of cases, because of history and the way things have gone, you just don't see so many people mm-hmm. from those less fortunate communities to to uh, go on a bike journey. Yeah. We have, for example, um, Blanca, Blanca Fernandez, uh, who's... 63 i believe now and she cycled all across africa um so she's in the just retired chapter to encourage older people Mm -hmm. to also give a go at at bike travel and she was saying it in the call to us she she said you know cycling around in in uh, all these african countries 
it made me feel really privileged to a point where it was kind of affecting me negatively because I had the ah. feeling that I'm out here, you know, I'm cycling, doesn't matter what bike I have or what bags I have, I'm here from way across the world in this privileged position to explore this place. And I should think about that. I should really realize that. Yeah. And so, well, I don't want to take it. It is a, it is, it is a thing though. I'm, you know, obviously you guys know who Adam Hugel is because he's been on the podcast a couple of times and co-hosted a couple of things. Um, I remember he was working in Kenya and he is like pointing at Mount Kenya and talking to the, the, the the Kenyans that he works with. And he said, Oh, have Mm -hmm. you guys ever climbed in? They're like, that's a Mzungu thing. Like we don't have time, you know, like we don't have time to go up there and climb and pay money to climb when we have families to take care of and stuff. And like everybody's relying on them. So it's, it's a very Western thing that we have time and leisure. Exactly. The ability to, to know that we could just walk away and then you come back even at old age, if you haven't worked a full career and earned a pension, you'll, you'll be taken care of by your country with some kind of old age pension. And, and it's not something that exists. There's a lot of that involved in, in cycling. And, Fortunately, this is changing, and there's a lot of people that are spearheading uh, projects. Mm -hmm. Um, To to name one, I've been a big fan of him lately, Bicycle Nomad. Um, He's just really, really cool in what all he does, and he presents a big part of his community. Mm -hmm. And so if there, like I said, if there's ever a second version of this, I would like to include a lot more skin color. So anyone who's listening to this who has a project in the pipeline, a bike journey they want to do, um, and they see themselves fit for another 50 ways. I really, really, really want to encourage them to take good photos, invest in a little <laughs> camera, take it with you, take the time to learn a bit of photography skill and take good photos. If you don't land in the book, you'll still have really nice pictures. And, and I would recommend for you guys to use like, you know, you could reach out to me and stuff at that time and say like, who do you know? Cause you know, within yes. the community of cyclists, if you say, Hey guys, yeah. to your past people, like um, we're looking for. You know, this is what we're looking for for the second book. Yeah. You go into um, your archives. We go into our archives. <laughs> and, um, or just people I've heard of or know of too, yeah. and, and other people, you know, that um, they're out there. So this definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll do. Yes. <laughs> but I, I assumed also like just finding the female solo travelers was also a challenge in that some in that sense because there's so much more male dominated. Uh, bike touring is such a male dominated. Um, sport activity pastime yeah. hobby yeah. and whatever you want to call there, it there there are but there's also an impressive amount of women i would say yeah we really right doubled yeah. down on finding yeah. as many as possible yeah and there's so many women doing such incredibly incredible projects already yeah, yeah, yeah. like we named blanca um of course lao she's in the book lao wilcox mm-hmm. she's just a champ and then we have a lot of other females sometimes accompanied but for example, the solo one who's representing the first chapter in the book is Anne uh, Madaba mm-hmm. on Instagram. And she's done such incredible things. She's basically traveled around the world twice. Yeah. And we really wanted to get her in there. So we're or, happy to say that she is. For example, Annie, uh, a girl outside, she yes. cycles on fight bikes in winter in Iceland and Greenland. And Scotland. Oh, wow. and she Scotland. takes takes dips. She did a challenge recently to go into this ice water in the winter, just like <laughs> casually she, doing that. Is she from for Finland? <laughs> She's from She's Scotland. 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 Oh, okay, I was gonna say Finns do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Annie, and then uh, yeah, like we said, uh, there's there's a lot of other mm-hmm. women accompanied, um, and for me that was another really important part of the book, also for Belen, of course, because it it's um, it's all about making the the 
the most inclusive representation and making sure that everyone who reads this book can feel identified in one way or another. Cool. So we had to look outside of the common thing and really try to reach the extremes of the community and just try to look for that as much as possible mm -hmm. to represent a big, uh, big amount of people. And it has resulted in a book that you can, you can open it and you'll be pretty much guaranteed to find someone who's near your personal situation. So whether it is uh, you struggling with a health issue or with time, money, concerns, um, route, country things, visas, uh, age, anything, the, 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 the bicycle you have in your garage and you're wondering if that's even a possibility, you'll be able to find someone who represents in some way your personal situation. And um, that is what makes this book a very approachable and recommendable thing. And hopefully... We, we hope that it will have a big effect on broadening the cycling mm. community and making sure that a lot of other people are going to be welcomed into it and say, hey, you know, I can do it too, actually. There is someone out there who's doing it, so why not me? Yeah. yeah I'm really excited to read Lyle's um, section. I mean, I've heard her podcast on several different podcasts over yeah. the last while and a couple of years. And, and I interviewed her wife recently. She just got married. So. Yeah. Yeah, her um, wife. True. Let's jump back to the questions here. So what my, my next thing was... Um, what was the response like when you first started reaching out to to all these potential um, potential? What do we call it? Participants. Participants. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. participants. Well, um, we wanted to avoid the situation of asking someone and then having to say, "No, sorry, you didn't make the cut." That's, so everyone yeah. we approached, we were pretty sure that we wanted them in the book, and I would say that in general. Everyone was very excited that we were doing something like this, especially given the moment that we were uh, creating this community project. Almost all of the cyclists had to stay home or come back from their mm -hmm. trips. So everyone was very happy to be able to talk about their adventure and uh, get this good feeling back. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, we did have a couple of uh, of people that we wanted to include in the book that maybe had to say no because they had um, like a contract already with a, a company or a magazine they were writing to. So they had exclusivity to them and they were not uh, allowed to share their pictures uh, for books. In other book form. Yeah. And yeah. some people have made it their job. And because obviously a book project, it involves money and finances. And we didn't have the experience to say what that was going to be like for this book in terms of numbers and sales and those kind of things. So we couldn't, since we don't have a lot of capital ourselves, like promise a certain amount that people would get for this book. Mm -hmm. And the opinions were also divided because some people said, even people, prominent people within the cycling community that are in the book, they said, listen, anyone who you contact, they have to feel very happy and honored because they get all this promotion. It's and free publicity, so, right? Yeah, publicity. Don't even talk about money. But... We find it important because in our um, sort of career path, as you can call it now, we, we have noticed that it's at some point really annoying to be reached out to a, for a project and be offered, uh, be offered um, um, what's the word? Commission not, uh, or? Not promotion, but uh, exposure. Oh, exposure. Oh, exposure. To be offered exposure <laughs> in like the land of dreams and paradise of exposure. Yeah. <laughs> And at some point that starts annoying. So it starts to be annoying. So for us, that was an important thing to be able to promise at least something. And what we promised wasn't much, but uh, some people 
appreciated that. Time for a quick interruption to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventure partners. The Bike Tour Adventures podcast is proud to be partnered with Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat post paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as the main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Named after the animals that roamed the Tibetan Plateau, Cheru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre-Arnaud Le Magnin in 2009. After noticing a lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast website. Yeah, so, no, I mean, it was an important part, and to finish what I was going to say, some people have dedicated their lives to such an extent yeah. to making creative content for about cycling and travel that they had to say no because we couldn't offer them um, a, a sure thing for this financial mm. stuff. So that part of life. has, yeah, it has left some really, really cool people out of the book. I won't name names. And of course, we totally understand the situation, uh, but that is something that we had to deal with. And yeah, uh, the rest of the people that we reached out to have yeah. all made it. So. Some, some, I think, oh, actually, most of the people didn't realize what we were actually doing. They just thought, like, most of them have come back to us once they've received their copy saying, like, oh, wow, this is very professional. Like, I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought it was like going to be a magazine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't think, also, we, we kept it very secret. No one in the book knew who else was in the book. Oh, Only neat. Tristan and I. Yeah. yeah. So we were they, sending newsletters with all the all the addresses in BCC <laughs> yeah. to make sure mm -hmm. nobody mm -hmm. knew. Yeah. And we kind of spoiled, you know, well, sometimes. It was funny because... I was talking to uh, to Sam Rice recently, not too too long ago. We we're messaging yeah. on Instagram, and and he's like, "Yeah, man, well, I'm come, well, I mean, I'm being featured in this book, and like this and that." And I said, "Oh, who's who wrote it? Like, tell me." So like, uh, maybe I'll reach out to them. And and then he messaged, and then before he messaged me, your guy's name, you guys reached out and said, "Hey, Chris, we're releasing a new book." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah." He he told us, and I he knew you like, guys hmm. had the secret book. Like you guys had told yeah. me in the last interview, we have another project coming up. So oh, so yeah. you you linked everything together. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, everything was super positive. Uh, for example, Ben Ben Page, uh, oh, one one of the guys cool. that he's yeah. representing the the just graduate just graduated way of cycling so just out of school with uh, no money wasn't he on my podcast to too that was a long long time ago though could be yeah i mean he he, he was stopped 18 already at the time. cycling a long time ago yeah yeah exactly yeah. so he actually told us when we called with him like, like i i want to do this but um you need to promise me that you're actually going to publish because i've been approached already a few times for similar projects like this and they never came through so can you guys guarantee me that this is actually going to be worth like my time? And we told him, yes, Ben. <laughs> we're, Felt we're so good gonna, having yeah. the book being delivered to him. Yeah. Here, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> the promise. That's really cool. So 
50 people are highlighted in the book and how many? 75. Oh, se- 75, 75 in, in 50 Se- projects. It's, yeah. Okay, 75 yeah, some 50 of them projects. are couples for friends. Right. For families, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I meant like, okay, 50 projects. How many did you end up reaching out to in total? Like, I mean, obviously there's bound to be some that didn't respond and then you kind of adjust. And- um, I think about 100 people in total. Uh, I mean, if you come in separate projects, I would say like 55, 57. Oh, really? Wow, that's almost... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- like only, only five... Maybe you seven is too much. I have about five fell off, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. like so we said, the interest we really, was there. People are, people are keen. Yeah. And we really reached to the people we really wanted in the book. Yeah. Just to avoid making anyone like false expectations or lose their time. Yeah. Okay. And was it the same kind of questions you asked each person? Was, and did you just send it to them as write ups or was this done as like voice interviews, telephone, whatnot? We knew the way that we wanted to put this person in. And once they agreed to have the video call with us, we would tell them like, hey, we know you've done all of this, but we want to focus on this specific part of your trip, which is uh, which, which is the part that we find very unique and we think that other people could really relate to and you could help them. So we had some questions in mind, but on the video call, we just chatted for like two hours to have them ex- uh, tell tell us their story in full. Yeah, well, we should have made a podcast, like the 50, yeah. 50 podcasts, if we would have <laughs> recorded all of these properly. That'd be a lot, yeah. But It was actually, and we've said it in some articles that we've written about this book, that it was a, a profound time for us to That's- have like two or three calls a day. In uh, That was in, in April last year. Two or three calls a day, learning about all these people that lives. Wow. To you know, one or two hour video call extent, and that was just that was very very nice to do, especially during that period of time, which so much isolation and being that's so time consuming. It must have been draining at the same time. You're like, all right, let's go, another coffee. Yeah, tiring, but so inspiring. Like mentally traveling. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, it felt like we traveled the world at the end of the all the calls. So after these video calls, we send them a list of fifteen questions. Yeah. Uh, of which the first question is the same for everyone in the book, and uh, it's also included in all the chapters. It, it's what encourages you to travel by bike. Okay. And then after that, the other 14 questions were specific to their specific way. So, for example, the ones traveling with a dog, uh, Pablo, um, we would ask him, like, why do you travel with a dog? What are the the pros, pros the cons, cons, the difficulties? How do you do it with food? Actually, I, yeah. I took something out of that already. Like I, as soon as I saw that was one of the things, I yeah, looked at it and I read that section. Even... And I was thinking for my dog, I was going to go with a trailer. But then I read his thing and I was like, oh, that's a good point. My dog's only 30 pounds. She's not super big. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'll just go her. with the rack and the basket yeah. and because... It's much easier, you know. You can. Yeah, Pablo has even trained Hippie to jump on and off while he's cycling. Yeah, that's uh, so. That's that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I'm gonna do so it on yeah. my folding bike, so it'll be lower too. She just like. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everyone got uh, this one repeated question and 14 unique questions um, specific to their way. Of which, of course, when we had to eventually make the book, we had to cut down to about eight or nine per chapter. Fair enough. So there's a lot that we have to had to miss. Unfortunately, we're thinking on other ways that we could um, share this material with people in the future, yeah. even if it's in the shape of uh, like an online. Yeah, you could do it through yeah. Instagram or something like highlights on the different people, you know, like the questions yeah. that didn't make the book and something like that. Yeah. 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 We're, we're still thinking of a, a nice way to include it. 
probably going to be it's, it's some bonus content at least. But mm -hmm. the, yes. there there are some questions and answers that have have stayed out of the book for the the sake of uh, space. Space <laughs> that happens yeah. when you go through design of a book. Like it has to breathe. There has to be white space. And um, mm. Belen did, by the way, Belen did all the graphic design of the book. So she mm, did yeah. a stellar job putting it all together. We promised initially four to six pages per person that became six. And then the ones that had really good photos got eight pages. So there's a nice full uh, double page okay. image in the book on their chapter. Yeah. And so um, that that's the way that the, the chapter is uh, laid out. It has these questions. The first question is always the same, but the answer is always different. And then the other questions that are specific to that person's way. And the introduction page has a, an image of them. That's right. And the way that they, they cycle and also uh, their story, summary. like a little summary of the, um, the journeys, uh, their age uh, and their name and their occupation. So, yeah, profession. Uh, and, of course, their number, which is very nice to see all the numbers from 1 <laughs> nice. to 50. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the way we wanted to space it out. You're, you're going to know my question anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> you, you guys are experts. You've been on this podcast before. You know, you know my mind. <laughs> the, um, the, the, the book, of course, had to have a very clear structure because if you're going to go through so many projects, you have to make it clear to everyone what, uh, what that looks like so that when they open the book, it's very clear in the first, um, uh, first uh, pages. And you can also quite easily explain uh, the contents of the book. So we put it into four chapters, four main chapters. And those are companionship, cycling styles, duration and age, and special projects. So those are the four pillars of the book, so to say. Then there's a prologue and an epilogue. And you should, by the way, always read it from the prologue to the epilogue, not the other way around. So let me ask my question. Hey, how did you break up your book into different sections? <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you just said, there's there's these four <laughs> big sections. It was super difficult to actually give order a two fifty project. Like, okay, I how imagine. I how I make this sense like. But yeah. the, the four pillars made it a bit easier because there's yeah. companionship, cycling styles, or super clear since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that one was like, pretty much the clearest because yeah. you have bike touring or bike yeah bike touring. You have bike packing. Then we have a, a specific tandem section mm -hmm. because that's quite its own thing. And then we have a, a nice word for the rest, which is multifarious, which we learned during the process. Yeah. So With that the, is the cool projects. Yeah, chapter twenty-one to thirty, and that's like, all kinds of different funky bikes. I the, e -bike. the windsail bike was oh, freaking yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually ended up meeting them in person. Oh and wow! They are just the coolest people. Yeah, <laughs> I I read that one. Um, I didn't read all of them because I you know I was looking more at uh, just what the layout was, and uh, mm -hmm. I didn't want to go. Like I said earlier, uh, pre-recording, I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil the whole book before I actually read the book. You know, like I didn't want to read it all on a PDF and go like after and flip open no, the book and be like, don't. oh, I read it. It's uh, also but a book I read that theirs. you need to to read like in in parts. It's too much to absorb yeah. in once. I think. Yeah, and they're yeah. Dutch, right? That cup, that those two. They're Dutch, they're, yeah. so yeah. they're in Holland. Easy to meet with. They them. live in Amsterdam, yeah, okay. and they actually got the bikes outside my hometown. Oh, so cool. I must have seen them in the past. Are you going to go test ride their bikes once they get <laughs> no, them out no, of their realize. storage sheds? You guys should take yeah. this thing to a ride. <laughs> wow, to me, it just seems like a technical marvel, that bike. Um, I I don't think I would ride it myself just because I, I think my legs are enough. I don't need the, the sail to push me forward. <laughs> and I am an advocate of 
taking your bike on public transport. Yeah, that makes it really hard. Using trains to get to places or skip like stretches that you don't want to cycle. And then a sail bike seems a bit difficult. But uh, in their case, yeah, they they used it for their whole America's trip. When when I googled the, their bike and stuff, I came up with something else that was coming out on Kickstarter, and it's a sail that mounts on a back rack of a bicycle, okay. and it can oh. fold down into like a pack of like I forget, it's like maybe less than five kilos. And Ooh. I was like, well, that's really neat, like yeah. because now it, nice. it brings that, like you said, transportability of a smaller unit, not having to have a yeah. big recumbent tricycle. Yeah, a really neat. But man, imagine hitting a crosswind. I don't know how. And it's um, and it's all electronic. So when you push the buttons on your handlebars for left or right, it'll, it'll uh, yeah. adjust the sail and stuff. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, some pretty cool nice. technology coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, in multifarious, there there are some other funky bikes. We have uh, uh the the folding bikes, which is just a, I keep coming back to that story. I, use, I like I like so folding bikes. Yeah. A German couple they cycled across Australia with their folding bikes. <laughs> were they on Bromptons? Was it a Brompton yeah. they were yeah, using? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And their story is really it's super nice. And then we have the e-bike, which is a, a much discussed topic in the in the cycling world. Because mm-hmm. e-bikes, I mean, they're a bit of they have a bit of stigma connected to them, and we wanted to break that because we're very much pro e-bikes. As the 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 woman Suzanne that represents the chapter is saying, if it gets someone out of a car, it's worth everything. Yeah, and we are we are uh, totally on our side when it comes to that. So we included the e-bike um, because in tra- traveling on an e-bike is not something that you. I think of. the biggest difficulty with e-bikes is like if you're from Canada and you want to go bike tour in Europe you can't bring your battery like that's that's the that's the limitation so yeah that's that's the one limitation at the moment yeah so uh there there's also uh, the fat bike like we mentioned there's trailer like taking a trailer along on your on your journey uh combining it with a van we have bike rafting which is very cool so steve fassbinder he's a, a specialized ambassador in the u.s and he does bike rafting so he takes this this inflatable boat with him on yeah, his uh, on yeah. his, pack on ra- his bike. it's called pack rafting yeah pack yeah. rafting yeah we call it bike rafting but um uh he he went to tajikistan and did this uh this river section with mm, it which it just cool. adds a whole new thing to a bike journey so we had to cover it and it's a beautiful chapter and yeah, bikes and wind on the bikes, uh, as we mentioned with the sail. And then we have uh, also some guys that took surfboards along and cycled the north, the the west coast of the United States. Nice, and you know surfed on the waves. And yeah, they really, just put the they really just put cool the racks guys. on the bikes to pull the surfboards. And yeah, mm-hmm. they they had trailers. Oh, behind, they had trailers. Okay. And just their whole attitude, like they're they're all um, they're all Spanish, and just the way they did this. I don't know if it's a like Spanish attitude thing, but just winging it, yeah, going with these surfboards, not thinking of the technicalities, and just pushing your way, and then you know, getting undressed on the beach, taking away, not even thinking about the salt and all the shower stuff, mm-hmm. and something that we would Sweet. preoccupy ourselves with in that case. They were sleeping in a teepee. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Nice. Where yeah. most of the interviews uh, was everything. I mean, well, obviously, Belen is Spanish. Um, were there any of the participants that 
did not speak English or very limited, but so you did everything yeah. in Spanish or another yeah. language? The the Spanish ones, uh, we mostly did in Spanish because they did appreciate talking in Spanish. Some yeah. of them, Tristan, Tristan is getting very good with his Spanish. At least he understands most of it now, right? Sort of, mostly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we had a couple of um, French participants whose English was not uh, great. So they did, uh, one of them, they brought uh, their girlfriend who spoke perfect English and she was helping oh, us uh, communicate and it worked. Yeah. And then there was the one project with uh, Ryohei. He's uh, from Japan and uh, we, we couldn't call with him at all. So we communicated through email deeply through Google Translate. So... Well, yeah. we think, we, we assume that he was well, using Google Translate. I was going to ask you because I reached out to him, oh man, had to be like a year ago at a podcast and... Uh, so I wrote it and, and I kept it pretty simple because, you know, I, I do recognize that, you know, multiple language barriers around the world. And all he replied was yes. And, and that was it. And I thought, oh, maybe he doesn't speak as much English as I thought. Um, he doesn't. I think he understands quite a lot and he doesn't he doesn't speak it very much. Yeah. But he does understand because everything that we asked from him, he pretty much uh, replied. Okay. And, uh, That's good. And everything he, went he's, fine. He's, he's been the most humble and grateful participant yeah. of all because every email was Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. so honored to be part well, of this project. <laughs> I'm so grateful. The Japanese are it's phenomenal. Japanese, yeah. you know? <laughs> I loved it. And his story on its own is also really phenomenal. The fact that he cycled around the world for so many years, almost you know, pretty yeah. much almost all countries on earth, <clears throat> the way he connected with all nationalities, all cultures, yeah. all religions, just the how open he is mm -hmm. and the fact that he was carrying this full setup, which we put him in the book for, we had a bit of trouble naming his chapter without sounding demeaning because it's not a usual thing that people carry a really, really lot of that luggage guy has on their a bike. Heavy load, yeah. Yeah, it's but he, very he, heavy. He was super proud of that, actually. Like he really said that for him, it was carrying his house. Yeah. So he was super happy to carry all those things, and then he was actually saying that by carrying all those things, he was cycling slower, so uh, slowly, so uh, people could catch up with him and cycle along with him. Yeah, mm. which he really liked. Yeah, he didn't really miss anything yeah. because of that. Well, it's definitely been one of the limitations of the podcast too. Is the language, um, you know? So yeah. you're you're always there's always limitations, like you guys mentioned earlier with the, the one your yeah. one regret with the book, and definitely in the podcast, it's something I deal with too. Is trying to trying to balance, and I mean, it really comes down to people that speak English or, and I yeah. speak French, but it's kind of hard to do podcast episodes in French and. <laughs> so yeah, and you also have all your listeners who are probably predominantly English. Yeah. Or English speaking, at least. Exactly. Um, what was your favorite part about putting this book together? I would say all the connections that have come out of it. Yeah. For me, that's a really big part. Like we said, the calls, glancing back on that, it was such a nice time. And it helped us through a lot of the, the difficulties of COVID. Yeah. Or the difficult times of, of COVID, of isolation. Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%.
Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Mangin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. Yeah, I would also say that um, at least I have realized how big and close of a community this is. Like in the end, um, many of the people in the book had met other people also in the book in different trips. So you start feeling like there is a, a, a close connection between all every everyone that's cycling out there and traveling. And it's a small I think world. that the vibes are always very good with uh, bike travelers. Yeah. And that was super nice to also get to know other people that we hadn't heard from before. And uh, definitely, I mean, Tristan and I listen to all their stories. So we have learned so much uh, in case we ever need to travel with animals or we decide to start a family or, mm-hmm. or settle down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> now right. we know all, right. stop, all stop, stories. Stop too. stealing my questions and let's go on to the next one. <laughs> um, what has proved the most challenging part of making this book and putting it together? Uh, me, me, me. Yeah, because okay, go, because go. I was the one putting the book together. I must say that the most difficult thing is to get your emails answered in time. So I yeah. to, to build this book, we we like it was a logistical um nightmare. Not nightmare, <laughs> I would say challenge, logistical challenge. And I had set up the, the deadlines because we really wanted to publish for spring this year because spring is the best time to publish this kind of book since people are preparing again for the summer and mm-hmm. going Getting out. Getting and motivated, yeah. yeah. So I had set up my own deadlines to have all the content, uh, process it, uh, correct it, prepare it in, in the book. Also from the publisher, I had set up deadlines for the publisher and deadlines for the participants. So I would send these emails already like one month before the deadline. And sometimes really it wasn't until the day before the deadline that I would get replies like, sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. Like, uh. <laughs> but but in the end, everything everything made it. So I think that was the most difficult part of making the book. Just um, I don't like chasing people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I had to send a couple emails like, I'm sorry that I'm asking again, but I really need this because it's not only you. There's other 49 projects that depend on you giving your your information so yeah. if you delay this you're delaying everyone so yeah, yeah. so and since since Bellin was doing all the work what was the most difficult part for you Tristan <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> well I mean I don't think I had any difficulties talking with everyone I, I seem yeah. to be a fairly uh, social guy so we we usually joke about this that for Belen it was really the logistical part yeah say, behind the scenes yeah and for me it's and it wasn't difficult but uh, it's being the the face for a lot of people to connect with, mm-hmm. and in the conversations that we had, um, I was usually leading the sort yeah. of the, the 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 explanation. Okay. First of all, the whole explanation of the book and yeah. the way we saw it, the way we wanted to um, handle uh, deadlines and and uh, the dates and times and financial details of the book, mm-hmm. etc. So I had to get that down pretty clearly for everyone to understand um, because it is again part of making a book especially with so many people so I guess you could call that the biggest challenge sort of 
trying to make everything clear so that nobody feels um, misunderstood or feels like they've been taken advantage of in some way. We really wanted to avoid that. And so those explanations were very key in, in making sure of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a challenging thing, but for me, it's it easy. It comes naturally. And then, of course, the, uh, the process of getting all these books out because it is something that we also are allowed to do ourselves. We sell signed copies. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and so we've just shut down the sales uh, until probably end of this year, 2021. Once you finish the your holiday next tour. Season, yeah. They'll, yeah, they'll probably open again because when we're touring, we can't send books, obviously. But um, doing everything correctly and talking yeah. with the postal companies about delays and, and loss and like something's been mm -hmm. lost somewhere in a, in a, in a package center that whole logistical challenge i took upon me yeah. packing you know uh, signing making sure that it lands in the right place and goes to the right person and that has been a big big challenge okay all right so the next few questions i think uh we can answer separately so you might have your own various answers but which of the projects did you find the most interesting and uh like empowering to yourself you want to go first Hmm, I have the book in front of me. It's difficult to choose to choose one. Do you have one clear one already? Yeah, we yeah. did a podcast with him. Um, he's going to get a lot of exposure through this. <laughs> I love the guy. It's Nathan. He's chapter 16, Off-Road and Unplanned. And he's Nathan North on uh, on Instagram. His whole approach and the way that he goes about bike touring and life in general the guy is very humbling. So I, I really, to to me, he's one of my favorites. Um, Rio Hei also, as we spoke, the, hey, the it's Japanese only one. guy. It's only one. Yes, it's one. Oh, it's, it's only one. one. It's one. It's ah, one. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Take it back. <laughs> I, I am going to choose Annalisa. Just Ooh, yeah. because um, his situation is very special. She's a diabetic type 1. Mm. And uh, she has this um, permanent condition, which is... Uh, which is something that it is difficult to manage when you're traveling because you need to get your insulin and your all your medications throughout the way. So she's a great example on how she has this condition that um, just doesn't stop her from, from cycling. It does condition her. Oh, wow. She has to do a lot of organizing on where she's going to get her medicines. And usually Maybe it's got to be kept go. somewhat cold, right? Like you, you, you can't be yeah, like left warm has, for too long, I think. She has some pouches where she puts the insulin. And then, if I remember correctly, her father was sending the medication to different gas stations along the way when she was cycling the, the Transamerica. Mm. So I think her story is, is very interesting because it's one of those situations where uh, maybe perhaps someone that has a, a health issue just doesn't understand that they can also do something like that. Of course, it requires yeah limitations, like maybe it has to be a shorter trip or... You have to really manage your medication, mm -hmm. uh, prepare it for like a month in advance or have someone ship it to you. But um, yeah, she's an example that it is also possible to do it if you really want to. Wow. Yeah. Okay. On the flip side, uh, or sorry, no, not on the flip side. Uh, which person <laughs> do you find? Uh, I don't, I didn't know how to state this question, but maybe you'll understand what I'm trying to ask. <laughs> Uh, which did you find would be the most interesting to experience their ad adventures? You know, like if you could oh. be a, spend a day in their shoes or a week wow. or a month. That's a really good question. Let me see. <laughs> let, let me just say that I admire 
any parents traveling with their kids. I just want to get it out there because we have uh, three families in the book. Swag families, one of them, yeah. They're cool. It seems to be a hell of a job. So I don't think I want to be in their shoes just yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, to me, you know, everyone makes it sound pretty easy, but at the same time, it's, it's a really tiring thing to do. You get the impression that it's, uh, it's very rewarding to travel with your kids, especially when they're really young. Um, but that it is quite a lot to, to deal with. Mm -hmm. So let's see who, yeah, I, do we want to be I am going to choose Thomas Schenker from Germany. Oh, tell us about um, Thomas. He, he has a, he, he traveled with a self-made bicycle. Uh, he built his own bicycle. Is it the bamboo with a one? Bamboo frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that really stuck with me is how he says that uh, by the, his dream was to make it to the Gobi Desert in, in China. So okay. he, his words, when he made it there, he was saying that he felt very proud that he just looked down upon his bike once he made there and he's like, wow, I made this bike and I made it all the way here where I really wanted to go. And I wanted to cycle on the Gobi Dunes mm-hmm. and the Gobi Desert Dunes That's with cool. my own bicycle. And this and is I a fat did. bike, I believe, right? He built a fat bike? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He built a fat bike, yeah. So I can imagine the, making something that you don't really know how to make, but eventually you you pull it off and you go all the way there and you actually made it. That must be very, very satisfying, yeah. I wouldn't mind feeling that. I've been thinking yeah. about building a fat bike out of bamboo because my wife won't let me buy more bikes. So <laughs> I have to start <laughs> making my own. <laughs> yeah. I might get Does away with components. Buying but... <laughs> parts or... It's it's a great um, thing to make your own bike because you learn actually how the how everything works. Mm-hmm. And in case something yeah, breaks down, you know how to fix it. So. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm going to say I would like to spend some time in the shoes of Eric He's uh, chapter 43, busking. Oh, so yeah. This guy, he's from Germany, and he went, uh, he went around the world pretty much to with, with his, um, let me say it correctly. Is it a foldable guitar? A foldable guitar and a man- mangolin. Oh, man- neat. Mandolin, mandolin or man- mandolin, mandolin, yeah. Mandolin. Mandolin, yeah. <laughs> so just the fact that he has a foldable guitar, but also being able to, to, uh, being able to be him for like a like some time on this bike with his skills in music and the way that it enriches the people around you because we've had situations for example in central asia where we we were invited a lot to people's houses and we always felt a bit ish you know because they don't want to do it for money and you don't give them money to mm-hmm. for, to compensate them for what they give you but you do want to give something back and it's very difficult to do that if you don't possess a skill like making music and mm-hmm. having a musical instrument, we met some cyclists in the in the Palmer Highway that had uh, had instruments with them, and it was just the greatest amount of fun to have them play for us and like yeah. have fun together. And I would love to do that for to to give back to to people around oh, you cool. uh, as you go on. And he's been doing so, and it's he's proven that it's just a, an extra layer on top of bike touring mm. that makes it even easier and more gratifying to connect with people around you. Nice. I like that. Now, you know, it's next question. Um, obviously with so many different ways of traveling, we're definitely not going to resonate with every single person out there, which one, uh-huh. like, I mean, obviously res- respecting them, like we respect their way of traveling, but which one would you not want to experience? <laughs> Is there any? Ooh, <laughs> let's see. I, I maybe would say Lyle. I admire what she does, <laughs> but for me, it's 
True, it's she... physical Marvel that I'm not up to, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's I mean, something. I'm, huh? I'm, I'm super impressed. I, I, I honestly don't think I would be able to do it, even if I mm. wanted to train or try. <laughs> yeah, I did some sort of, well, I did some long distance stuff last year and extremely difficult. Like just the mindset aspect, I think, is the is where most people will fail. Like your body can yeah. do it, but it's your to have the mindset to keep going. I think the longest yeah. I did straight was 13 days and I did about, how do we close to 3000 kilometers in those 13 days? But wow, very difficult. Like, I mean, to think that that was 11 hours on a, a day on a bike to do that yeah. extra eight or so to be pushing up to around 20 or so hours or let's say, you know, like yeah. very difficult, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. The trap with Lau, though, is that she makes it look so easy. Yeah, she's she become so good at it. <laughs> she's always smiling. She's always happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's so, she's uh, always it's good. It's admirable. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say also that I don't see myself traveling on a tandem, at least not with Tristan. Oh, there, there's a tandem in the garage. I was about to oh. present it to her. It's all wrapped. <laughs> I don't and... know. I just have the feeling that it wouldn't work out, that we kind of need our, our own private space and speeds. And also, I think that I wouldn't want to steer the bike, but I wouldn't want to sit behind and just look mm. at your back for the whole day. Yeah, I think so, you have a good point. Although yeah. the, the, the recumbent tandem? Yeah, what? maybe. Yeah, recumbent Yeah, I had a couple. Yeah, I, had a, I had two friends oh, a long time ago, one of the early podcasts too, when I was in Cambodia. Uh, they cycled a recumbent because one of the guys had uh, – he came down with severe arthritis, so he used a hand crank on the front. And uh-huh. um, and they said, you know, it became difficult because you're all day with your friend or spouse, you know, partner. It could be just as difficult. And then in a tent at night and, you know, sharing everything. And, yeah. you know, you don't have that time where you can just disconnect and be in your own thoughts. And, yeah. I, You know, you know what? Um, we found him too late for this book, but we have saved his name now. But there is a guy from India cycling on a tandem and he's alone in the tandem and he invites people to join him on the oh. tandem on the other seat yeah which i find that that i find super interesting and there's yeah. another guy from the uk doing the same thing from bristol oh, yeah, to really? bristol to beijing yeah he's riding uh he named his tandem chris in honor of his brother who passed away uh, while oh. he was in remission while he was in cancer treatment so um yeah oh. he's doing oh, it as a well. cancer awareness funness so B- bristol to beijing if you ever look him up very okay, cool guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Definitely will. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I think I would totally consider a tandem in that case. Yeah. That that motivation makes <laughs> yeah. it... Um... Well, and I think um, you might have touched on this briefly, but how did the creation and development of this book change your own mindsets when it comes to bike touring? Well, I totally opened it up, huh? even more. Yeah. Um, I think by the time we started making the, this book, we had already transitioned or started transitioning on our way of traveling Um more in towards this backpacking and off-road mentality. So by hearing all these people that have already crossed uh, South America or anywhere in the world on this kind of um, way, really uh, really taught us a lot and inspired us a lot to now in our upcoming tour, which we want to go to the to the Balkans, oh, nice. we are going to try and stay mostly off-road and take a oh, single okay. single tracks. And, and if yeah, I remember I correctly, that, you're way, using a specialized ECR, is that right? Or you were... Uh, now it's a, a diverge, specialized oh, diverge, diverge okay. Evo. Yeah, diverge yeah. Evo. Okay. Yeah, my buddy, my buddy just, Carl's just my, like a week ago. My buddy Carl's got a diverge. It's super nice. Yeah. Does it they're, have the little they're, they're the suspension in, in the handlebars or you have front? Yeah. 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 It's integrated. Yeah. yeah the future shock. This 
stupidly nice. It's really, really quite a big change. And I was yeah. in for the the flat handlebar to be able to stuff the the roll in the front to its maximum mm-hmm. potential. Yeah, yeah. We also have thicker that. Thicker so are you using are you using so flat bars or drop bars? Now we are using flat, flat. bars. Oh, you are yeah. okay. We're, we're both we're, going flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think yeah, my buddy. Um, I'm using 47 centimeter drop bars, and I think his diverge. He's got, I think they're 42 or threes or something like that. But yeah, the, the yeah. challenge is the reason I went with 47s is last year with a 42 it was quite difficult to fit the front roll and shift. Yeah. And then I yeah. got some like tendon issues, and I had to be really careful mm-hmm. how I rolled my bag, and it was a nightmare every day. Every time I undid that bag, it's like, damn, I'm gonna have to readjust this. Yeah. I had the same. Um, do so. you do you know that Ordleap has just released a new bag for drop uh, drop handlebars? It's called the handle handlebar QR quick release, oh, and yeah? it's based on their yeah. it's based on their handlebar bags for the touring uh, okay. lineup. Just like a week or two, no? Looks like yeah, okay. it looks like cool. uh, bikepacking aesthetics that they have on their bags, mm-hmm. and it's pretty cool yeah you roll it from the top instead of from Um, the sides yeah Yeah. Arkel makes something like that too it comes outwards and um, yeah they make something neat very practical we're going to see a lot more of those kind of bags because drop bars are more popular on gravel bikes you don't see them so much with club bars gravel bikes is really like booming is uh, is booming yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so there's a big market for specially made and 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 size bags for those small uh, small panniers for people that want to kind of hybrid it up and yeah yeah so but i mean for us we we carry so much camera stuff all the lens uh, the camera lens batteries drone all these things all the electronics that we we have to have a rear rack we have to have the i was gonna ask you guys are using yeah and then obviously the roll in the front becomes quite an important thing for me i store the sleeping bag in the tent there and with a drop bar it would have never fit yeah and the frame bag are you using frame bags yeah yeah Yeah. we are yeah yeah so we're catered towards this bikepacking setup now and like belen was saying partly because of seeing the people in the book and speaking to them who have done it who have crossed to the dark side and have gone (laughs) full rogue bikepacking minimalism um in uh, in most cases that gave us a lot of courage to to switch to that setup as well and then also pursue more mountain paths and single track and really try to get off the asphalt as much as possible um what was your question again if we took inspiration yeah yeah if we took inspiration from someone in the book yeah yeah so in that case yeah the 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 bikepacking is probably the biggest one um and it has just generally broadened the scale of possibilities for us. So if we were to meet anyone who was concerned maybe about the way that they wanted to uh, approach mm-hmm. bike travel, we would probably be able to respond in a much more open way and maybe okay. even give a little bit of advice because we've learned so much from all these different people about their approaches that it makes it easier for us to see, oh, yeah, that could work because you've done it like this way and this way and we could recommend it. All right. So since you're using a specialized Diverge and I know like a bit, um, what kind of tires and what size of tires are you guys using now? Because I know that's going to change up your game. I think the specialized Diverge can take up to 50 mil or 50C tires. Yeah, we have, uh, we have 47. 47. 47s. Okay. And we, yeah. we had tubes put in because we're not quite on the tubeless side yet. Oh, man, you um, haven't lived until you go tubeless. <laughs> We, we, I, well, they I have, said the same about the click pedals. <laughs> I also think you haven't lived until you're using clip and pedals. Now, now yeah. we have those pedals that are one side clip oh, and one side yeah. flat, so at least we can choose. Because sometimes yeah. we like we've been cycling in very rough terrain, mm-hmm. and the last thing you want to be is clicked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 
The same with the with the tires. I think I would have gone slightly wider, but uh, that's the limit on our bicycles yeah. for now. So we yeah. will try. First. Yeah, it might take fifty, but we we were uh, we had forty uh, sevens put on okay. bike shops. So. Perfect. Yeah, that's I think what they my, recommended, and it's fine. I use I use the one side flats on my folding bike, but then the other bikes are all clip in. So yeah, but yeah, it's perfect. Good compromise. What kind of adventures you guys have coming up? So you mentioned the Balkans. What's your what's your plan? What's your route? Um, yeah, generally, well, obviously, because unfortunately, we're not vaccinated yet. Uh, we're too young for Europe. We're a little bit slower, uh, slow, slowly over here. Yeah. Yeah. So we we're just going to start going and see how it goes. And if we ever get this SMS, we might come back to get the vaccination okay. or just wait a couple more months. Yeah. But um, we we're first taking a train to Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And from there, we're planning to slowly cycle through the Balkans all the way to Greece. Um, there's a lot of bikepacking routes uh, in that part of the world. Uh, okay. We haven't, neither of us has been in, in that part of Europe. And we thought it makes sense for this summer since it's not too far away. Uh, we're still in the same continent. It's easy to come back home in case something does happen. And uh, it's, yeah, there's not such of a cultural uh, difference that wouldn't allow us to communicate properly or misunderstand things. Okay. And yeah. for anybody yeah. that might not have heard the last interview, they love taking trains through Switzerland. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, taking trains in Europe is super practical. Yeah. It's just uh, sometimes a challenge with the bicycle, but once you figure it out. It's getting better. Yeah. It's, it's one of those uh, subjects that I would love talking about because mm -hmm. every month something changes. And oh, now okay. at the end of the year, I think the sleeper trains are coming back. Oh, are they? So you no, can, wow. yeah, you can sleep oh, in the train and wake up in wonderful. Vienna or somewhere else. I used to love that about Russia. Like, that was one of my favorite things about like Russia and Ukraine and stuff is the sleeper carts. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's more and more talks about having like EU trains, as in trains that will just go equally through all the countries in the EU in the future, which would be so relieving, yeah, yeah, less yeah. trouble, mm -hmm. yeah, not having to change every in every border or things like mm. that. <laughs> yeah, which we'll have to go through now, and then with COVID, it's going to be a bit more tricky to see how that is yeah. developing this summer and towards the the fall because we do hope to make it towards november to the end of the year uh we are collaborating with uh, with interrail for this summer so they gave us a couple passes oh nice use to promote the concept of of uh, traveling by train on certain sections and take your bike along and yeah. of course oh, that's see really how cool. easy or difficult that is yeah and I'm just going to pitch something in case someone of Interrail is listening. Hold on, I'm Whatever time. <laughs> you, you absolutely really, really should, and I'm speaking to Interrail personnel, introduce a bike ticket like you have train ticket. Because if you have an EU-wide bike ticket that corresponds with the price of your, your Interrail ticket that you're buying, to make it easier for someone to say, oh, why not, I'll pay you know, a couple couple of euros extra, 40, 50 euros extra, and I'll take my bike along and I don't have to think of buying different tickets in different ah, countries, that's different a cool rules idea. and different, you know, because bi bike tickets are still a bit of a niche on trains and yeah. you always have to look out what are the rules I know. when can you be on. And I, I remember in Sweden, it was the price of a child. So like half, half the adult ticket was the child's ticket yeah. and that's the same price yeah. for your bike. Anyway, that's, that's yeah. something that's that we really want to pick. Yeah, that'd them. be a good idea. Uh, like a bike specific ticket that allows yeah. you to bring your bike yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it can, uh, it can help, uh, people choose a, a bit more sustainable can, way to get from A to B with their bikes. Maybe since you, you guys are European, you can explain what's the difference with Eurorail and interrail. 
It's the, the same, same thing, but Interrail is meant to be for Europeans and Eurail for non-Europeans. Yeah, because so, you buy it through a different website. But yeah, oh. the word like the letters EU are in yeah. there, so it's more clear that yeah. it's in the EU. Okay. Yeah, All but right. it's it's a, exactly the same business and With company. Different and prices and different rules and different promotions, <laughs> I guess. <and> <laughs> <laughs> So your book is uh, is already released in Europe? Yeah, I guess by the time this podcast goes live, It'll it's also be. released in the rest of the world. So the best thing is um, you, you can find it online in every platform where you can shop books like I think Amazon. I think the best thing is to go to your local bookshop and yeah. pick it up there. Yeah. If yeah. you're in a place where there's no bookshops, you can order it on Amazon. Pretty much any of the URLs yeah, have the, it now. The book depository also in the US is in Target and Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> For the Dutchies listening, there's bold.com that has the book. So, I mean, it's you just do a Google search on 50 ways to cycle the world and the, the online place selling it close to you will pop up. Um, and we have also on the 50 ways to cycle the world Instagram account uploaded some story highlights that oh, were nice. there to stay. And they explain you exactly where you can get it in, in a lot of um, different websites and around the world. Excellent. And where can people find you guys? Well, they can find Somewhere us on Somewhere in Instagram. Europe on a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's better to follow us on Instagram, I think. But um, you can already find our names on the 50 Ways to Cycle the World Instagram account. So that's pretty straightforward. I just wanted to add that mm -hmm. at the end of the book, um, in 50 Ways, there is a page that's called Find Us. So every participant in the book has left their website and also their Instagram handle. So they are all super aware that they might be reached out in the in the future by, by readers, and they're super happy mm, with this. Cool. So if anyone has a question about a specific way in the book, um, you can feel free to reach out to any one of them and they'll be super happy to help for yeah. sure. Or if any, if there's any podcast presenter out there who wants to approach some other cyclists and uh, yeah, if you're listening, <laughs> do reach out to them. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think, uh, and I think I've, I've had five, five of the guests on the podcast wow. or five of your participants. Um, the one that's not up yet is, uh, is Anissa. Um, I Hi. interviewed Anissa, Ooh. but not her boyfriend. So um, okay. I might interview him later, but I wanted to to just you know like you like we talked about keeping things mixed up and you know trying to get some people from different countries to share about their experiences yeah. and as a, as a as a female to cyclist hear the yeah and from Indonesia which is mm -hmm. super different to what we are used to here in Europe exactly yeah so, yeah. yeah she's and she's, she's been, the next she's one coming been... up so she'll be out sometime in the Ooh. next week or so i i really enjoyed her her instagram stories of late she she's been posting a lot of beautiful photography recollecting on trips and also her like the new plan that they have now mm -hmm. cycling in portugal um she's really worth following along with she, and and also him like yeah anisa subekti i'm not sure if that's things. her instagram but uh, actually, i actually probably have it right here i'm on your contact page uh Oh, and Anissa with a Y because oh, yeah, Anissa, yeah. Yeah. Anissa. But that's not how she spells her name normally. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm super stoked about uh, yeah reading your guys' book in more detail once uh once I can get my hands on a real copy. Yes. Yes. What else? Am I missing something? You tell me. Um, and that is exactly my question. Am I missing something? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think maybe we can just share the the donations part. Yeah, let's do it. We yeah. we just actually uh, made a donation already for this first load. I was telling you earlier 
that we wanted to be clear about the financial side of this mm -hmm. book. And one thing we told people from the start is that because this is a community project, it wouldn't feel right for us to claim royalties and all that as the authors, only for the hours that we put in. Um, and so anything that is considered profit from our royalties that come out of this book, we will donate to an organization related to cycling in some oh, way. Cool. So think of warm showers, World Bicycle Relief, um, places and, and organizations like that. So we have just put in a donation of uh, almost 2,000 euros to warm showers. And um, yeah, that has been made possible by the participants of the book. Just want to be clear about that because the money that we offer them up front for their contribution and you know participation in this book a lot of them have kindly said just donate it i don't need it or i don't want it you should donate it towards the community um so that has made that first donation possible and yeah the the further uh, royalty profits will go to similar organizations so we're really happy with that because what is you know given to the world by the cycling community is of such broad reach and life-changing thing. So it's important for us to be able to consider that in the making of this book and to keep on giving back to the community. And so we want to do that uh, in this way. That's excellent. Yeah. So bike life must be doing really well. <laughs> no, that's great. That's really good to hear that there's uh, that you, you recognize that this book is a collaboration of the community and that, you know, it's, it's not just to be, it's meant to be used towards yeah. the community. And that's really, really something special. It yeah. wouldn't have been possible with all of, without all of them. So it's, it's like an equal thing. Yeah. And I'll get you to share a link to me later that I can put on the, the website with the, the post and stuff that we can a donate yeah. link yeah, yeah. if people want to donate. Awesome guys, as always, yes. lovely to have you on the show. I thought it'd be, I thought it was going to be like under an hour, but you know, we seem to be doing well. We always break that boundary. <laughs> Um, I think it's under less than less than the one from Bike Life, at least. Yeah, <laughs> this is good Which because I haven't. I have to teach in an hour and a half, and I haven't prepared anything for this week. So uh, you know, uh, I gotta go get ready. <laughs> it looks sunny over there. It is uh, wicked nice these days. Oh, um, super this nice. weekend today, I think is going to be thirty-five degrees here. Oh wow, you're in for a good summer. Well, we're getting like record temperatures. They're saying and. But I'm hoping to get the dog out this afternoon on the uh, sit-on-top kayak and uh, take her to a lake nearby and try to get her used to that. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And I do look forward to continue to follow your adventures and do reach out when you write your next book or before. <laughs> will do, for <laughs> yeah. sure. That, that one will take a bit longer. Now we're going to have to cycle again and build storylines. So that will be a few years. Okay, good. But let, let's, uh, let's catch up before that, yeah. maybe in podcast form, maybe outside. And thank you so much for, uh, for the opportunity to speak about the book. Ah, lovely. It's been lovely. Have a great trip and um, stay safe. Thank yes, you. Yes, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. See you. Hey, everyone. Before we end this podcast, I'd like to tell you about some of Bike Tour Adventure's other amazing partners. Very proud to be supported by Brockton Cyclery, a Toronto-based bike shop dedicated to bike touring and bikepacking. Carrying many of the top bike touring and bikepacking brands, I can honestly say that they have helped me to build the most durable and fast bikepacking bike possible. We're also supported by Race Day Fuel. Their mission is to ensure that you consume the very best and appropriate food and beverage for the task at hand. Working with top brands such as Scratch, Noon, and Untapped, they have all your nutrition needs taken care of. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures website.
All right. And that is the end of this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I want to just express my thanks and gratitude one more time to Tristan and Bellin for taking the time to share about their latest book. Uh, I think it's a really cool concept for a book. Uh, rather than just sharing one story, they're, they're sharing stories of, well, 50 different projects, right? So I think they said 75 participants, 50 projects. And, you know, this could be the motivating factor to that, that somebody can correlate and say, oh, I'm in this person's situation. They can do it. I can do it. That's kind of neat. Next episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I'm going to be having Lael Wilcox on the podcast. And we're going to be taking a little bit of a dive into her past and her experiences bike touring and what led her to become the racer that she is today. So I'm really looking forward to that episode. It's um, going to be really, really special for the Bike Tour Adventures podcast to host her on the show. So thank you in advance, Lael, and I'm really looking forward to it. If you do like the podcast, once again, you know, there's different ways of supporting the podcast. You could do it by giving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever. You can help me out through joining up as a patron on patreon.com slash bike to adventures and becoming a monthly contributor. You can also just PayPal me to help with the production and um, all the associated costs of the show. And finally, the last thing you could do is you could just shoot me an email, say, hey, what's up? Tell me what you're up to. You know, that kind of thing. I, I really love getting emails from listeners. It really makes my day. And you could also recommend somebody. If you if you know somebody that would be, you would love to hear their story and a deeper dive into their past and how they became who they are, uh, you can just recommend somebody. So I've had quite a few of those and I'm trying to work through that list. So all in all, that is it. Thank you so much and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.